All right, good morning, everyone. Thank you so much, Roy and Jinha, for that uh, unforgettable welcome. And uh, this is going to be one of those Sabbaths that will be very special for me to look back on, and we'll talk about this uh, many times, I'm sure. Uh, it fits in with my theme that I'm preaching about uh, today a little as well, uh, living in the liminal. And uh, I hope that um, that you haven't gone Googling to see what that word means. You might have, but that's okay if you have. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that. And um, I'm really grateful just for the chance to come and be with you today and uh, to speak and to preach God's Word. And I'm thankful just for the opportunity. Uh, I'm really grateful for the new role that I'm in. Uh, Darren Croft was doing this role previously, but he's back at Lilydale now. And the Appointments Committee has put me in to care for the ministers. And uh, so I'm really excited to be here with Roy and Jinha today. And, uh, and also just to, to be able to share with them as well uh, what I've got to say. Uh, but before I do anything else, I just want to uh, pray for myself uh, just one more time, if that's all right. So I'm just going to pray. Uh, Father, I'm really grateful uh, that we get a Sabbath of rest and refreshing. I'm so thankful that you are a God who cares for us. And I pray that as we hear from your word, that you'll change us and touch our hearts today and we pray that in Jesus name. Amen. So I'm going to start with a Bible verse, Matthew 4 uh, and I'm going to read verses 1 to 3, Matthew 4 verses 1 to 3 and uh, the, the sermon title is Living in the Liminal and I'll explain a little bit what that means but we'll start with these verses. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Now the wilderness that Jesus has been led into sounds like a dangerous place. He's alone. There's no other civilization around him. He's without food and he's gone without food for 40 days and nights. Uh, and he's hungry. Uh, I have trouble making it to dinner sometimes. 40 days and 40 nights. That long without food can bring you close to death. So Jesus is weak and starved and low. And it's at this point that the tempter comes with an offer of bread and power, and safety. So this tells me that devils live in the wilderness. The wilderness was, and still is, a dangerous place to be. And they understood this in in the Bible times. Inside the city was safe. There were rules. There were guards. There was authority. They had walls to keep them safe. There was plenty of food. Cities were often built on a source of water. There was other people around all the time. The sound of of people chattering, the sound of movement in the background was comforting. Outside the city was a wild place. It was ungoverned. It was dangerous. It was the home of thieves and brigands. And it was the province of evil spirits. Now, these places outside of the city in the wild included the the desert, the wilderness. It included high mountain tops and deep, lonely valleys and also deep bodies of water like deep lakes and the oceans. 
These places were greatly feared. They were places of unknown. And if you've ever been walking out in a, in a wilderness like that and stood on a place where there is no one around you for miles, you feel like the last person alive on earth. Perhaps you'll capture and remember some kind of eerie sensation of when you were in that position. These places were recognized uh, as dangerous places to be. Now, these days, it's a bit easier for us. We pull out our phone and look up Google Earth, and by satellite image, we can look at pretty much every square inch of the planet. But imagine living in a world, and they did this in Bible times, where you weren't sure what it looked like. You didn't know the scope of the nations. You didn't know the reach of the geography around you. All you knew for sure was what it looked like as far as you could walk from where you were born. Perhaps some stories came from travellers who would move through countries to come to your small town, but how would you know you could trust what they said? Everything outside of what you knew was unknown territory and dangerous and scary and wilderness. And we see a few examples in the Bible of this concept. So while you're in Matthew... Go forward to Matthew 12, uh, Matthew 12, verse 43. And they're talking about uh, an impure spirit being cast out of a person. So Matthew 12, 43 says, When an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Now that arid places, that meant the desert, that meant the wilderness so the desert, the wilderness, was filled with impure spirits who wandered, unable to find rest in that place. It doesn't sound like a good place to go. And then a couple of chapters forward again to Matthew 14 this time, uh, and verses 25 to 26. So Matthew 14, 25 and 26 Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. Now, because they were on deep water, which was a dangerous place, a wilderness place, they feared Jesus was a ghost. Deep waters and lakes, these were unknown places where men in ships that sunk and died. These deep waters were the abode of the dead and ghosts. So when they saw Jesus walking on the water, they assumed that he, he was a ghost now. Now, the, we've got a modern term for these places, these wild places, and uh, that's the term liminal, liminal places. The wilderness is an example of what's called liminal space. And uh, I like words, I like new words, and when I heard this word, it kind of rolls off the tongue, and I thought, what does that word mean? And when I looked into it, I wanted to tell you what I found. A liminal space is the space in between what was and what will be. It's from the Latin, limen, meaning on the threshold. Now, I don't know about you, but when I got married to my darling wife, when we got to our home for the first time after we'd been married, we stopped outside the door, and she looked at me and said, are you going to? And I knew what she wanted. She wanted me to carry her across the threshold. It's an old tradition, right? Maybe you did it yourself. I don't know if people do that anymore. But the threshold of that door meant something. It meant 
going into that house, we were changing. We were different now from when we'd stepped outside of it. And that word limen from, is from the Latin. It means threshold. Now, the threshold of the door, usually just a strip of wood or a stone that lines the doorway. When you go outside, you step on it. You hardly look at it. It probably needs a clean. I don't mind does. But it's a threshold. You're going from one place to the next. And for a moment, just for a, a split second, you're not in the place that you came from and you're not yet in the place you're going to. You're in the liminal. You're in between. You're in liminal space. And, you know, a liminal place might be a quiet, restful place, but it also might be a tense place. I'll I'll tell you what I mean, and I'll give you an example of liminal space in the contemporary world to try and make it more clear, because we don't believe in ghosted water anymore. We've got submarines that go underneath water. We've got satellites that have charted the highest mountaintops. We're not afraid of those places. Liminal places still exist, though. And we transition through those spaces every day. I'll give you an example. Here in, here in Melbourne, uh, we go to the shopping centre and, uh, you know, sometimes it's hard to find a park. And you go into one of those parking buildings and I remember the first time I happened when I was a kid and we would drive around, no parks. We'd drive around and we'd go up a floor, no parks. We'd drive around and go up another floor, still no parks. Until eventually my dad would find this park way off in the middle of nowhere in this parking garage surrounded by cars and we would park. And you'd get out of the car and you'd go, where are we? We don't know where we are. And you'd see this little stairwell and it had exit written on it. All right, here we go. We'd head for the stairwell and we'd start going down. And that's a liminal place. We're not in the car anymore. We're not in the shops yet. We're in between. We're not quite where we were. We're not where we want to get to. We're in between. And something odd happens when you go into those stairwells. They're kind of echoey and it feels a bit strange. The floor and the walls are all painted the same colour. And if someone comes in behind you, you, you start speeding up a little. It's a little bit scary. It's a little bit eerie, if you know what I'm talking about. And finally, when you walk out into the shopping centre, you breathe a sigh of relief. I'm where I was going to. So that's an example of a liminal space. So let me ask you, does anyone ever go to the shopping centre and say, hey, let's go hang out in the stairwell for an hour or two? No, no one wants to hang out in that place. It's not comfortable. It's not enjoyable. People don't want to go there. It's an odd place. There's an odd feeling to it. Maybe uh, it's even a physical sensation. Perhaps you've uh, stopped in the train station somewhere in Melbourne on the rare occasion when there's no one else on the platform. There's just you and there's this strange silence around you. You're not where you were. You're You're on a journey to a destination that you're not quite at yet and it feels odd. People around you feel strange. You're in liminal space. It's the place between where you're going from and where you're going to. So in the Bible, the wilderness was never the destination. It was a place that you passed through. When you left a city, you'd go through the wilderness to get to another city. And the sooner the better. In a way, our world right now is currently living in the liminal. And that's why I titled my sermon that. Because coronavirus means that everything is different. We're no longer living in the world that we lived in in February. I look back at, at videos that I made in February now and I, 
I roll my eyes at how naive I was about what I was going to do, the plans that I had. And I think forward, we're, we're not out of this yet either. We haven't declared, well, it's all done and thank goodness that it's finished. That's the world we're headed to, right? But right now we're in between. We're living in the liminal. Maybe it feels uncomfortable for a reason. Now, in the Bible, they understood that liminal places were sometimes dangerous and uncomfortable places to be. But here's the strange thing. If these liminal places are so dangerous, why do we see so many instances of God's people being called into them or living in them? I'll give you an example. Come with me to Mark 1. So Mark 1, it's the it's a gospel that's full of action. And right off the bat, we see John the Baptist. So I'm going to read from verse 1. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet. So right away, Mark's quoting Isaiah the prophet to give the good news. He says, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. Verse 4 says, And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. Well, this is odd, isn't it? Because this is the voice of one calling in the wilderness. The voice of God often calls from the wilderness. John the Baptist appears out of the wilderness and when he appeared, he didn't go into the city. People from Jerusalem and the country around it went out to him. Now, realizing how dangerous the wilderness is changes our perspective of what that verse means. Because for us, the wilderness, oh, that might just be a nice country walk. No, they were going out of the comfort that they usually lived in. They were going out of the the normal life that they led into the wilderness. Something new was going to happen. And John was calling them to it, into that wild place. And they went out to him and they confessed their sins and were baptized. They left the safety of their city And a transformation happened. God called them out of safety into a wild place. But by going there, they were changed and walked more closely with God because of that. Now, it's interesting that that Mark is quoting Isaiah. He's quoting Isaiah 40, verse 3. And I just want to read you the next couple of verses after that. Because I think when a Bible writer quotes an Old Testament prophet, the people who are reading it would know the verses around it. And so in verse 4 in Isaiah 40, it says, Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. So God is promising that, Those rugged places, that wilderness, will be made smooth. The rough ground will become level. The hard thing will become easier. And by that, God's glory would be revealed. 
And I think the reason this is in here in Mark's gospel is because John the Baptist knew something that they knew in the Old Testament, that God is in the wilderness. He dwells in the wilderness, not only in the wilderness, but God is there. It's a dangerous place with devils and spirits, yes, but God dwells there as well. His holy mountain Sinai was in the wilderness. It was a dangerous place to go. And God calls his people into the wilderness to worship him. Have a look, for example, at Exodus 7, verse 16. This is when Moses is confronting Pharaoh. And God says to tell Pharaoh, in verse 16, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has sent me to say to you, Let my people go, so that they may worship me in the wilderness. But until now you have not listened. And so again and again in the Bible, we see that it uses the wilderness setting to describe a liminal place, a liminal experience. We see it in the life of Moses. We see it in the life of David as he hides in the caves in the wilderness. John the Baptist calling people out. We see it in the life of Jesus going into the wilderness led by the Spirit. And we see it, I think, most of all and most clearly in Israel's sojourn through that desert after leaving Egypt in the Exodus. The wilderness is neither here nor there. They've left Egypt, but they're not yet at Canaan. It's outside of civilization. It is a remote place that harbors both the divine and the demonic. Furthermore, time spent in the wilderness is time out of time. It's cut off from a reality that we're used to living in. The past is gone, but the future is only faintly in our view. For the Israel, the Israeli people, slavery is over, but freedom had not yet happened. There was a final trek that they had to go through the wilderness, through the liminal place. God is working a change in his people through this journey. The people who emerged into the promised land look very different to those who entered the wilderness. They have been reshaped and reforged and remade. And let me point out that while we can agree the wilderness can be dangerous, it's also the only way to Canaan. And God was leading them all the way. And so in, in this way, liminal spaces are also an example of God's grace. God will make them flat, those rugged places for us. I know it sounds like a contradiction, but God has worked good in the wilderness. God is an orderly God, but he's also a God of the wilderness and the power of nature is found in those liminal places. And nature has a fierce and wild beauty that reflects our God as well. I remember like a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Jin Ha said uh, in describing how C.S. Lewis talks about Aslan and he's asked, is Aslan safe? And Mr. Beaver says, Who, safe? Who said anything about safe? Of course he's in safe, but he's good. And God is like that. His nature is represented by that liminal journey. In, in the wilderness, God does his best work because he has our undivided attention. So am I telling you to drive out into the desert to find God, to start a commune, build up fences? No. Well, maybe, but no. 
Because one thing that the wilderness offers us today is some peace from the constant noise and rush of the city. Those places make it easy for me to be aware of God's presence in my life, a lot easier. And I think maybe a lot of people have found that as well. But I want to suggest that liminal spaces aren't always physical spaces. In our contemporary world especially, we encounter them in our emotional lives. There are times when we move from the comfortable world that we know to the new world and there's a dangerous journey in between. I'll give you an example. Uh, when I was living in Sydney many, many years ago, I was working for a company and I was working on a contract and they had renewed my contract before, but when I got to the end of this period, they said, we're not going to renew your contract. I was out of a job. One day my life was normal. I had a rental place, I had a routine, I had an order to my life. But in a heartbeat, that was thrown out the window. Everything was upset in my world. Everything had become uncertain. My identity was built on the fact that I had a job, that I was a provider for my wife. Who was I without a job, without being able to provide? What did that make me? Everything was uncertain. How could I live now? How could I support my wife? I was confronted with many questions. and They really struck at the core of who I was. And I'm sure that you've been through times like that in your life as well. There are many other life changes that throw us into uncertainty, into liminal places. The loss of a loved one, uh, the breakup of a relationship, um, whether it's ourselves or someone in our family, uh, loss of a job, like I said. Life is normal one day and unrecognizable the next. And as you go through life and mature and you see this happen a few times, you know that life will go back to normal eventually. But for the moment, everything is upside down and we question in our lives everything. We're between what life was. We're not yet at what life will be. We're living in the liminal. As we are with coronavirus, everything is upside down. The rules have all changed. You only need to look at the toilet paper stocks again this morning to realize that. But as much as it might be uncomfortable being in these places, they're also the means by which we get to the place we want to go. They're how we progress. I had to realize that maybe I shouldn't make my job the core of my identity. And I had to lose my job to realize that. If we can embrace the awkwardness and the tension and the uncomfortableness of the liminal experience, then there is growth there. If we can follow God's leading through those places, as Moses followed uh, the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire through the wilderness, then we can be changed by it. If God's Spirit can be at the center of us processing these events, then it can be a place of learning and amazing grace. But yeah, the devil's still there to tempt us away. There's still Egypt right behind us if we want to turn around and run back to it. These are hard things to go through. But God has promised that it can also be a place of growth and transformation. Richard Raw describes liminal spaces when we are betwixt and between. We've left one room but not yet entered the next room. Or it happens at any hiatus between stages of life. Stages of faith, 
jobs, loves or relationships. And notice that he says stages of faith because we can also go through liminal places in our spiritual lives and maybe it's getting a bit more personal now because God calls each of us on a spiritual journey as well. Now I grew up in the Catholic Church. I was an altar boy. I had the bowl haircut that was sharp as a knife. You should have seen it. My mother did it. I would wear the white alb. I would hold the candle and stand in front of the priest as as he read from the gospel in the Catholic Church. I was the apple of my mother's eye because according to her, if I became a priest, then she gets to automatically go to heaven. But obviously, I am not a Catholic priest. I'm an ordained Adventist minister. Now that journey from that little boy to me today didn't happen overnight spiritually there was a journey through the wilderness that I needed to go through. I had to be changed from one thing to another and that process of change is not easy. Everyone goes through their own spiritual journey. We're all journeying together, constantly learning and changing. But you know what? Often that journey starts with doubt. Often it starts with discovery Let me give you an example, because for me it was something simple. I'd met this uh, lady, and she was lovely, this uh, beautiful woman, and I had fell in love with her. And while both of us are Christian, neither of us had gone to church for many years. I had my faith sorted out. I still believed in God, but I decided that I was going to live how I wanted, and then, just before I died on my deathbed, I would do a huge confession and slip through the back door into heaven. It's not the most mature plan. But that was what I had. That's all I had. Because that way I could leave God alone, he would leave me alone, and I would still do what he needed me to do to get into heaven. And then I met this lady, and she one day mentioned in passing that Saturday was the seventh day of the week. And I thought, no, that's that's crazy. Uh, because Sunday is obviously, the calendars in my Catholic home all had Sunday as the last day of the week. So she told me to check the dictionary, uh, which in my home growing up was second only to the Bible. And sure enough, Saturday was the seventh day of the week. My whole life I knew that it was Sunday, but all of a sudden everything was thrown up in the air. I walked into liminal space, smack bang. Because if I had such a simple thing wrong about God, what else might I have wrong as well? And in in that moment, my whole faith system, my deathbed plan collapsed around me. I, I admit it was a somewhat flimsy faith system, but it was mine. It was swept aside and I was in liminal space. I was uncertain about God, about myself. What does it all mean? And I'm sure, you know... That was only the first uh, of events for me. But I'm sure you can relate. Perhaps you've been through times like that yourself in your own spiritual journey. And there are times when we question God. When we're in pain, when we suffer immense loss or hurt, we are cast into a spiritual wilderness, into a spiritual liminal place. We cry out angrily to God asking why. And we see people in the Bible going through this as well, calling out to God. And I guess I think about 
those spiritual seasons in my life when I was in those liminal places. And I guess I've asked myself now with the perspective that I have with the advantage of hindsight, what do I wish that I had? And I guess one of the things that I wish that I had was a church that could recognize when I was going through those times and acknowledge that it was normal to go through those times of doubt and confusion and hurt with God. And I wish that I had a church where someone could walk alongside me and explain, I've been through this, let me show you the way, because God's leading. And eventually, that's what I found. And I found a a pastor who led me out of my confusion. He pointed me to what God was doing in my life and led me through the liminal place. I mean, can you imagine if we were a church like that? What if I suggested that going through uncertainty in that spiritual journey with God is normal? What if I was to tell you that everyone does, at some point or another, go through those times of doubt and uncertainty Our church should be a place where it's safe to do that, where it's safe to admit to those times in our lives. To say, hey, I'm in this place and I just don't know anymore. And for someone to then recognize, hey, I know that space. I've walked through it. Let me walk with you together. And I would like someone to to be able to point to God. Wouldn't that be great if our church could say, look, God is doing this in your life. And I've been through this process with God. I think that would be an amazing church to be a part of. And that's my desire for our church. How can we be like that? I guess by being aware of those who are going through major life changes. Some people seem like they're handling it really well, but they're in a liminal place. They're uncertain about everything. They're just unwilling to admit it. Perhaps we could have a church like that by being a little bit more brave and acknowledging when we're going through those places and times ourselves. To acknowledge them and to say it's okay. Not only is it okay, but perhaps to say, God has called me here. God is doing something in my life. And I'm going to be ready to be transformed by God. I'm going to be open to the grace that he wants to give me. I'm going to ignore the calls of the devils who are going to lead me astray and I'm going to look for what God is going to do for me because by his grace we'll emerge from that on the other side into Canaan transformed. I've got a final Bible verse for you to read. It's Isaiah 43 of course, Isaiah 43 verse 19. And God calls out to his people, see I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. I want to encourage you today. God works in the wilderness. Maybe you're feeling like you're in the wilderness right now. But I want to tell you, God is with you. You're not alone. Because I want to suggest not only does God work in the wilderness, but it's the place that he works best. It's the only place that we perhaps can finally let him work when we can 
let go of those structures and habits and preconceived ideas that we've built up in our minds. Moses was led into the wilderness leading freed slaves, but they emerged from the other side as God's powerful chosen nation who reclaimed the inheritance he'd given them in Canaan. John the Baptist was led through the wilderness and emerged to call a lost generation to repentance and he hailed the Lamb of God and announced his presence to the world. Jesus was led into the wilderness and emerged into the fullness of his ministry. And so if one day you look around and you realize that you're in the wilderness of your life, stop, look around for those people who have perhaps been through it to walk with you and look for the new thing that God is doing because he's going to transform you and just imagine who you'll be when he leads you out the other side. Let me pray for you. Father, I want to say thank you that you call us into the wilderness. Sometimes we're afraid to walk through those places. But I pray that you comfort us. I pray you bring people to our lives who've walked through those places to guide us. And I pray we can keep our eyes fixed on you, on the new thing that you are going to do in our lives. And I pray by walking through these places, you you do a work of transformation in our lives. And so that as we step out of the wilderness... We can be transformed into who you wish us to be. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.